Papermen meet. Coming up next, a media project conversation about the way things used to be and whether they're getting any better. I'm Rex Smith here with Alan Shartok, Ira Fussfeld, and Rosemary Armeo. We will be talking about whether journalists say they would do it all over again and what the outlook is for the journalism of the future. Join us for that topic and a lot more. It's all coming up on the Media Project. It's next. Such interesting people. They wallow in corruption. Papermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspaper men meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Now you... The Media Project is a conversation among a bunch of veteran observers of the media and sometimes participants in, and we welcome you to join us for this half hour. I'm Rex Smith, former editor of the Times Union, the young person in the room here, folks, and I am here with Rosemary Armeo, Ira Fussfeld, and Alan Shartok, who is not the young person in the room. He's not the youngest. Are you doing sure. okay, Alan? I'm concerned about you. Tired. <laughs> you know, I've been on this program a long time. I don't remember us ever having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> It's just sort of an assorted brick brats. <laughs> That's a hard thing to say. You deserve a career in radio. Very good. Okay. Actually, Rosemary, I want to start with you today because Uh-oh. you have the broadest range of experience, let's say, of the people here. <laughs> Investigative journalist, former managing editor, investigations editor, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Professor, a new survey of journalists on uh, how you feel about it. A huge yeah. survey. 12,000 journalists were surveyed about their work by the Pew Research Center. Actually, I remember I participated in this survey. It finds that they are really aware of the huge problems of journalism. 72% say journalism is struggling. There is even chaos is one of the words that was used. Yet, 77% of journalists who participated in this new study said they would pursue a career in journalism again. Would you? (laughs) No. No, I've said that repeatedly. I would not. I went into journalism because I wanted to change the world, and I thought journalism 
uh, especially after Watergate, which influenced me, uh, had the potential to do that. If I were going out now, it would be government service, politician, or maybe lawyers. And of course, statistics play funny. You said 70, whatever it is, 77% would stay. That means almost a quarter would leave. And I think that's the more meaningful way to look at it. Um, say they would leave. Say they would, would not have picked that as their field. They'd they say that. Nearly a quarter. Yeah. But uh, we, would, we don't know whether we are other profession, whether if you gave them the chance to say that they wouldn't have picked it, whether they yeah, would, wouldn't, would one quarter of them want to leave? I think that's a high number, and it's printed there in a way to make it sound the opposite. And there's lots of reasons not to be in journalism, aside from the lack of respect or influence that we have, much less influence than we used to, I think, in the 70s. There's no money. There's no job security. There's no future. It's technologically difficult. You have to constantly be upgrading. And for what? And yet you've been a professor of journalism for all this time. The kids still come. It's a lower quality. Uh, not as many as there used to be. Enrollment is down. The bad signs are there. I mean, we keep trying to look hopeful. For years in investigative reporting, we'd say, oh, yeah, the times are tough, but look at all these great investigations. But there's always been sort of a certain number of investigations that get done, top level of the in of reportage done by the, the best newspapers. And that continues. But look at what we've lost at the local level. You can't say all of us have run papers. Can you say the places we used to work at are as good now as when we were there? And I know it wasn't the glory days. It wasn't all perfect. But are, are they as good now as they were when we began? If you say yes, you're lying. Well, th th <laughs> that sort of prejudges the answer. Rexy, what do you say? You ran a major newspaper for a long time. Things getting better or worse? Well, it's different. There are some terrific things that are being done. My alma mater, the Times Union, just won this great watchdog award from the New York Press Club down in New York City. My successor, Casey Seiler, went down to get this award, and it wasn't even an award they applied for. It was a New York City Press Club saying, look at this great watchdog reporting going on. Imagine that, north of 125th Street in Manhattan. So there is great watchdog, and that was relating to Andrew Cuomo and the, the many issues that were brought to light by Times Union reporting. But I guess that's what Rosemary means, that there are great examples of watchdog reporting going on. But in and out of journalism, even the little paper where I was the editor in the 1970s in Rensselaer, Indiana, you know, in this farming community in Jasper County, Indiana, that paper is no longer even a daily. It barely exists. We were not bold, but we were honest truth tellers that that community depended upon, and they don't have that anymore. I've had a lot of trouble since I retired from day-to-day -day newspapering getting my arms around how people make money. We know that the so-called legacy media, the print media, suffering greatly, dwindling, maybe soon going out of business entirely and, and, and be replaced by its digital product. But it seems to me that there are more journalism outlets, there are more news outlets with the internet than ever before. I mean, I see people come on some of these interview shows and they say, here's so-and-so from Vox Media. I have no idea what Vox Media is. I don't read it. I don't know where to find it. I mean, I guess I could find it if I wanted to. But there are countless numbers of Vox Media Who's reading them? Who's watching them? How are they making money? To your point about the survey, if I was 18 years old and looking to start myself back in the world, 
journalism still is a terribly attractive business for a calling for me. I enjoy the concept of it. I enjoy reporting, telling people what I know, informing people. And ultimately, you have to pay the bills, and that's where it's become very depressing. Again, I'm talking about print. But do you guys regularly read the Daily Beast, the Daily Caller, yes. the, every yes. one of them? Well, no, not, not every, every one, one of them, them, but that's the thing. Because of the Internet, you're able to get a mass audience big enough to support some of these entities with what seems like to you a small number of people, but there are millions of people who do pay attention to these digital outlets. And also consider the not-for-profit journalism, of which WAMC is a model that has survived for many years. But not-for-profit journalism is a big thrust. You might say that the best journalism in Texas, for example, might be being done by the Texas Tribune, which is a non-profit newsroom that has amassed enough money through donations, largely, and foundations and the like, that it can actually outbid the Houston Chronicle and the Dallas Morning News and the Austin American Statesman, all those papers, and get the best journalists. So that should make us hopeful, no? We spend a lot of time on this program being depressed about the fate of the newspaper industry and the media in general, but your testimony is well, there's a lot going on out there. Hopeful, but not for the local Rosemary community. Yeah, you know. I mean, tell me another profession where you attract the brightest and the best that's based on donations and foundational mm -hmm. support. doesn't exist. Well, public radio. That's what we're talking yeah, about, public radio. Oh, yeah. another, another industry. Nursing, teaching, they're, they're, you have to have a business model. Mm -hmm. We don't churches <laughs> i mean do you yeah they're not in great shape either they're though, not right? in good shape actually you know that's true they're declining who else depends upon most social services although the government this is the difference when you're talking about not-for-profit work that needs to be done that doesn't have an obvious profit motivation social services that's subsidized by the government which exactly. in this country with the exception of tax breaks for public media for example there isn't really a subsidy for journalism is there mm -hmm. Uh, not like what the BBC has. Mm -hmm. There's been talk of that over the years, but is it all about money? I mean, Ira pointed out there's this satisfaction that comes from storytelling, right? From Yeah, but at some point, somebody has got to give you enough money so you yeah. can buy a sandwich you, for lunch. You know, you know, maybe 10 years ago on the show, Rex predicted that there would not be a paper media anymore. I'd like to come back to you and ask you how your prediction is holding up. It is rolling out. I had just come back. I remember that. I was at a conference where the head of the Aspen Institute said kind of offhand, uh, you know, we'll probably have paper for another century. And he meant we will use paper like this, yeah. folks. And that he's saying we won't even have. So therefore, he was saying, don't cling to your newsprint, you newspaper editors. And I took that to heart. I mean, we really started. I, sure. I, and, and now you see it in all the newspapers. You don't pay attention to circulation anymore. There is a story about how newspapers are going to be hurt further than they already are by the rise in newsprint prices. As Extremely a important. Well, but it's less important now than it was when you were a publisher. Well, it's less because we use less, yeah. but now it's, it's we're going to have to use even less because the prices are going through the roof and this, the cost of newsprint is the second most expensive item on your balance sheet other than personnel. 
I, I have listened to discussions about the high cost of newsprint since I began as a journalist. And so there's nothing new about that. It's always been super expensive. But let me go a step further. What we're talking about is print dead, and I think the answer is resoundingly yes. We're kicking the corpse now. But is journalism yeah. dead? Is journalism dead? On phones or laptops, are young people really engaging in the news? Do they care what happens at a city council meeting? Do they care about the police blotter? There's no newspaper at UAlbany. It's not been replaced by anything electronic. Yes, the college we still has like, no newspaper. No, yeah, college has no newspaper. I mean, we read books. Yes, we still have that. And big stories come on TV and are discussed. But is journalism dead? Well, isn't this one of the downsides of the internet revolution? It is the nationalization of the news. The only news that people pay attention to is that at the national level yeah. because it's the stuff that is attractive to the most people. Mm. And so you're right. You don't have anything as the, well, the Daily Freeman, the paper that Ira used to publish and before that edit. As its print goes down, as you don't have as many of those print pages, is the digital side able to pick up the slack? Are people paying as much attention? I don't know the answer. I, I don't I know it either because yeah. I'm not on the inside anymore. But mm -hmm. but clearly that's the direction the Daily Freeman and all other papers. Yeah. I, I mean, I have wondered aloud. I've talked to Rex off the air about the potential success or lack thereof of a new initiative that the Times Union has taken. And you suggested, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school, but a lot of the success is based on digital. And that's the oh, direction yeah. we're going. But I don't know whether it's successful. I just don't know. Yeah, it, well, it won't sustain, I don't think, the size of local staffs it used to be. There will be a consolidation. The other thing that I think is really relevant that actually comes out of this Pew study is mm. the clustering of people around like-minded uh, news outlets. Journalists, three-quarters of them say that is a major problem. Another 20% say it's at least a minor problem. U.S. adults, by and large, don't feel it that way. Only less than 40% say it's a major problem. So the, the notion is that is we only go to read that media, those media that agree with us. You know, it's so interesting because in my house, I'm an old guy now. They, now? Yeah. <laughs> but when I was a young guy, there were five, sometimes six newspapers read in our house every single day, which had tremendous appeal for different reasons, because different newspapers specialized in different things. You don't see it anymore. And among those newspapers, of the six newspapers in your house, yes. were they ideologically similar, do you think? Uh, well, the New York Post was always very, it's unbelievable, very liberal. Liberal, Hunter liberal Dorothy in Schiff. those days. Mm -hmm. The World Telegram and Sun had massive appeal for anybody in education because they had what was called the teacher's page, and everybody bought the World Telegram and Sun. I know my mother did, who was a professional. So there were re different reasons. The Herald Tribune, I always felt, was an interesting one in that we got the Herald Tribune delivered with the New York Times every morning at our house. But the Herald Tribune was sort of like a make-believe New York Times, except, <laughs> right. it, it, was except a, it, it had was... a more of a Republican feeling to it. Well, I, I knew a lot of people who worked at the Herald Tribune. It died in the 1970s, I believe, and so I knew them many years later. They would take exception to that. They felt that they put out a great newspaper. But... And interestingly, an international newspaper. Yes. In other words, they, they mm -hmm. tried to fill the gap in by becoming more international, more European in news it covered. By the way, the newspaper you cited, the World Telegram, and Sun. That is three newspapers it consolidated. Is. The death of one cycle of the media into another has and been I going on I think before forever. it ultimately died, the Journal American somehow uh -huh. snuck in that group uh -huh. as well. Probably oh, is that so. right? Yeah, and, and the other two papers that Alan didn't mention, the Daily News and the Daily Mirror, 
And it's my recollection the Daily News was considered the more conservative and yes. sort of out-of-bounds paper because of the pictures it used, tabloid especially. Daily Mirror was more of a leftist paper. There's nothing like having some old fogies sitting around. <laughs> I know. I, this concludes the history of journalism section well, of the program. it's like a eulogy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you well, know. You're making a face, Rosemary. Yeah, this is you, the point I tried to make. I think this is all irrelevant to modern audiences. Well, but it gives, oh, a, it, gives a it gives a perspective. What's the as perspective? To what, yeah, there used the, to be a lot more newspapers. Yes, and, a lot and more all of them were thriving, and all of them had different points of view. But there wasn't an internet. There wasn't. No, there wasn't broadcast correct. the way there is now. There wasn't cable. Yes. There's new stuff. We're like a bunch of old railroad guys talking about how great it was. You know, <laughs> remember those Pullman? Oh man, I love them. But has the new stuff substituted Rosemary for the old stuff? The real question is: Are people getting the yeah, same? Oh. I think the quality of the best journalism now is as good as it's ever been. There just isn't enough of it. There isn't support for it. Data journalism, use of math, social science skills in journalism. And it used to be a bunch of old drunks in the yeah. 1930s who would like drink hard and go out and like touch their sources and write funny stories, which was great. But it isn't great journalism the way we have now. We just don't have enough support for it now. Absolutely. So the, in fact, the best of we... the journalism is better than anything that there ever existed. Exactly. This digital presentation is fabulous. The stuff you can actually show people and the kind of computation skills that journalists have and that they're now being trained in. Even look at the coverage of the war in Ukraine. It's as good as anything Ernie Pyle ever did. It's brave. It's visual. You hear voices. You get people better than it's ever been. We know how to do journalism. There just is not a market for it anymore, I think. Hmm. Well, maybe I could take some issue with you, which I always love to do, Rosemary. If, in fact, there isn't a market for it anymore, it does seem to be rather prevalent for something without a market. I mean, does it? Well, it it is in our lives, surely, but is it? Well, I'll only go for my life. Yeah, and I, I, I would tend to agree with what you're saying, except the two asterisks. One is that one of the downsides of the current landscape is that material gets disseminated often or at least frequently before it should be disseminated. That stuff gets out on the internet that is premature, has not been vetted entirely, and once it's out there, it's out there, it spreads farther than it used to be. So I think there's that, and I think that the um, the second point is gonna come back to me. The, but on that point, while yeah. you're struggling to come right. up with it, yeah. for which we all have sympathy, if it gets out there before, you mean that there aren't enough editors and producers paying attention? No, I think the technology is such that you, perhaps because of what you suggested. But if I write a story and I have my own podcast or my own blog, my own newsletter, it's going out before I've even had a chance to reflect on it. Hmm. Well, I, I think that's Often. there's a difference in the philosophy, too. It used to be that everything was perfected and nailed down, and then we, like, on high presented to the public, this is what you should know. Now there's more of a feeling like, this is what we know right now. We're looking into this and this, and we'll tell you soon what we have found. And, oh, it's completely changed. The story has flipped around. We've made the audience part of the process of gathering the news now. I don't think that's a bad thing. Our mistakes made, yes, in breaking news. You cannot believe the report, but the best journalists who do breaking news are very good at saying, this is what we know right now. It may not be complete. It may change. That's kind of exciting. 
Though I, that I mean, actually is what contributes to well, it, it the does. problems yeah, of the, I, uh, I get the election. It. People get the first impression. It. It's like they Donald Trump yeah. saying we were winning and then they brought and in we those lost. votes. <laughs> yeah, they, they snuck in those oh, Democratic yeah. votes. They counted yeah. those votes. Yeah. Although yeah. we cannot forget the Dewey beats Truman headlines either. So yeah, that that's there, it could happen in print. It can. It was unusual enough that, you know, that's why we remember it now. Right. Or even 2000, the Gore-Bush debate. Bush wins. Then, well, no, maybe he doesn't. You know, that all happened, right? On deadline. Changed deadline. I, yeah. I had four different headlines on the front page yeah. of the Times Union that day. It was really a terrible night. How does uh, that work? Are you at home, you know? Uh, not that night. No, not that night. <laughs> not on election night 2000. So, so what happens? When it's really a contentious issue, you, you have to be at work as an editor. Oh, well, in those days, yes. I mean, oh nowadays. God, that was I 23 think... years ago. We're back in history. Isn't that again. something? Jeez. Yeah. How was the pizza? Yeah. <laughs> election You're night so means right. pizza. You have to be in the oh, election office night for was pizza. pizza, and at the Times Union it was Hat Day. Of course, here at WMC every day is Hat Day. Alan's wearing his WMC <laughs> hat, and your nice sling around your chin. Yeah, uh, that's good. Prevent that's myself a... from getting infected by you guys. Wearing it around your chin, Alan, doesn't work. Yes, uh, it does. My theory is that that's where we ingest our poisons <laughs> in our chins. I, I think the outro music for this week's program ought to be Benny Goodman or something. Yeah, really. We're back in that. See if David can come Tommy up with Dorsey, that. Tommy Dorsey, let's see. Nothing uh, wrong with Benny Goodman. Yeah, right. He's just My father's favorite. best of the newcomers, isn't he? <laughs> I tell you. But, but seriously, is journalism dead in the way the classics are? I mean, college education wow. used to be all learning ancient languages and studying the ancient authors. No one even knows them anymore. Have we lost because of that? And are we losing because journalism is going away? There's I don't no get real the nature of the question. What are you really asking? Are we completely irrelevant? Isn't good journalism still being taught? I mean, the standards are still there. You teach it. About giving the true picture of what lies beyond their own view. And the commitment to the truth and to independence, that stuff is really important for good journalism. I think you should train young people in that. And that's good training even if people don't become journalists. Even as most of your students, you say, don't become journalists, they do something else. But that sort of sifted the nature of that kind of thinking is a good thing to teach young people. Do you think that the headwinds that we face now of, of the fake news allegations or people who are just flat out don't, don't believe what we do, are they significantly worse than, or am I not remembering similar problems when I was a kid? Has, journal, has newspapers or other media always been faced with that kind of skepticism on the part of the public? It just seems to me it's out of bounds now. Much worse now, but that's in part because people are more suspicious, but also appropriately so. You remember at the beginning of the 20th century, journalism was filled with made-up stories. You know, the front pages of newspapers would have these heart-wrenching stories of rescues and the poor damsel in distress and so on. And the reporters, some of whom we now revere, you know, like H.L. Mencken and so on, would be making up this stuff Mm. or at least giving us details that were beyond their view. So some of that that we think back on, the period of independent, strong reporting was pretty brief in this country from, say, the end of World War II to maybe about 2000. But you know, Rex, your very good analysis leaves me wondering, the one indices that I'm really not sure of is how much did people believe what they were reading? In other words, if the Journal American did a story or if the Daily News did a story, there was a wonderful folk song, I think Pete sang it, but it was, I read it in the Daily News. The question for me over the years is, how much have people believed in the product that they're reading? I mean, I think the New York Times always had a huge believability index. I'm not sure whether the Daily News ever did. 
Hmm. Yeah, well, that was my point in the question. I just don't remember the disbelief being as widespread and as blatant and as just people are just automatically. I mean, the New York Times could write a story saying that tomorrow is Friday as we speak, and people will say, are you sure? I don't know. It's the New York Times saying it's Friday. That can't be right. There was always, I guess, an element of that, but I've never seen it the way it is now. People simply do not believe us. Well, people believe what they, <laughs> in the words of the immortal philosopher Paul Simon, man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Lie, lie, lie. Uh, so, <laughs> and it's it's the treatment of journalists themselves, not just their right. words, that has really changed. Never before have we had police attacking reporters who are just covering the news, or uh, government shooting down reporters because they don't like the coverage they're giving. And that's happening not just in the United States but globally now. It is not a respect of it. We're not even influencers. Kim Kardashian has more influence yeah. than we do. You know, going back to the Pew survey, is there a journalist or, or an entity today that is motivational as was Woodward and Bernstein 50 years ago? It's, it's been said that Woodward and Bernstein spawned a generation of young people who were so impressed by what they did they wanted to get into the business. Is there a Woodward and Bernstein today? Were there any before wow. them? I don't think so. You know, was who inspired? Well, Barlett and Steele, they did amazing financial and sociological reporting. Subsequently, that was in the 80s. Philadelphia Inquirer, when they won a string of Pulitzers. But in terms of actually inspiring people to journalism, I don't know. There's nothing quite like that, is there? Uh, Walter Winchell, H.L. Mencken, they were earlier. But, yeah, no, I don't think so. The notion of journalists being at risk of even being attacked, you know, there's been this terrible problem in Uvalde. The police chief has wow. apologized, but after the fact, for obstructing journalists from doing the reporting. Now, there is a point to be made about it is really hard when you're in a small community and there's a big news event and suddenly hundreds of reporters descend upon your community or even in a, a relatively minor thing and there are dozens of reporters at somebody's doorstep i can understand why people would really be resentful of that but what can you do what cops are doing a lot these days is kind of pushing journalists around saying get out of here or even arresting them and then subsequently apologizing or saying, well, we'll try to do better. During Black Lives Matter protesting, they were actually firing rubber bullets and projectiles at them. So it was more than just pushing them around. And in Uvalde, yes, they were descended upon. A horrible event happened, and the journalists certainly didn't make everybody feel good by looking for answers. But let us point out that those answers have not been uncovered, that there is a complete shutting down of news in that city. Very important news about police behavior or misbehavior and officials are refusing to comment. They're saying, well, we'll tell you in January. Jan that's six months from now. Then we'll let you know. After, after we have all the answers, we're gonna vet it all and make sure it's all perfect. Remember the old newspapers who did all When we know everything and all the threads are hemmed in, then we will give you the information. That's more dangerous to me than a bunch of journalists coming in and demanding answers. So where do we get news about news now? In other words, how much do we know about the politics of, of the news media and other things? Now, in some ways, it's obvious to me that there's some competition, for example, between a CNN and some of the more conservative branches, and they talk about each other. 
But is there any place that people can go to figure out what's going on? Columbia Journalism Review is, a, is yeah. excellent. The Pointer Institute, most major media have a media reporters in New York Times, The Washington Post, Brian Seltzer on CNN. Mm-hmm. These are all media criticism. There's a whole business of media criticism. Not to mention just the Internet, the way that news spreads on the Internet. It's easier to get access to critical information about the media now than it ever was before because the Internet and enables people to get their views out, and it spotlights the failures. Last week, a Washington Post reporter retweeted an objectionable tweet that was sexist, and immediately there is an attack on that sort of thing. They're watching each other. Yeah, everybody watches and pays attention. So there's a lot more transparency in the news media than there's ever been before. We know a lot more about the media than we ever have, and it doesn't all look good. Yeah, that's very different than any other profession. Cops don't do that. Doctors don't do that. Lawyers don't do that. It's all confidential, all personnel matters. We're out there slamming each other every day. (laughs) Look at at the piece the New York Times did on Tucker Carlson. Yeah, multiple major investigation. Yeah, exactly. Analyzing his. He's a. We wouldn't call him a journalist, but he's a big media figure with the biggest following in the country. Well, I don't want to get into this business about who's a journalist and who's not. Well, he's never done any honest reporting. We used to have well, one of the most. True. We used to have one of the most despicable, and you and I both know it. Rex, he wrote for a newspaper, so he would point at everybody else and say, "They're not a real journalist." <laughs> <laughs> well, Tucker Carlson is many things, but journalist he's not. All right, that's all we have time oh, for no, today. Rex, Isn't that something? See, hour. we had a conversation. Yeah, that was very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> At least according to me. The there old guy. Ira Fussfeld, longtime publisher, Rosemary Armeo investigator, Professor Alan Shartok, and I'm, uh, I guess I'm editor, what am I, Rex Smith. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to our producer, David Gustina. We'll see you next week once again on The Media Project. Their policy is an acrobatic thing. They claim to represent the common people. Funny Wall Street never has complained. Ah, but publishers have worries, for publishers must go to working folks for readers and to big shots for their dough. Now publishers are such interesting people. It could be prostitution, I don't know. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, circulation, ting-a-ling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press. <laughs>